This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. This week's podcast is a reflection on two readings for the third week of Advent in 2023. The first comes from Isaiah 61, and the second from St. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 1. And both texts speak to God's modus operandi of working in the Bible, where God seems to use ordinary people and events to do extraordinary things. This week's reflection is really, uh, I wish I had a better theme or I thought about it more clearly, but my head has been befuddled this week, and so I'm just going to share with you some random thoughts on two texts on a December morning in 2023. So these are some random thoughts. This is as good as I got this week. So if there is any connection that I see in the two readings that Carl just gave to us, it is uh, that the, the one we call God, this divine other, is the one who really initiates, is the agent that uh, acts to communicate God's self to us in the first of these readings uh, from the book of Isaiah. I've, I've shared with you in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading this wonderful book called Why the Bible Began by a scholar named Jacob Wright. And Wright's uh, premise is that the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament that we call it, uh, really came about as this plundered, conquested people were trying to figure out what does it mean to be a people. And so can you imagine, here they are, they've been first assaulted and made captive by the Assyrians, and then later by the Babylonians. And uh, so when these texts are being put together, they're not in charge of anything. They're under foreign rule. They have no power. And so they read from their prophet Isaiah, this is the year of God's favor. <laughs> and it's like, how can that make sense in any way, shape, or form? That's absurd. And so as I, I read these words that were compiled during this tumultuous time, it seems to me that this one we call God likes to invade and disrupt our life-limiting stories. So all of us create stories. My work as a hospice chaplain for 17 years taught me how all of us create stories of who we are and why we are. It's not good or bad. It's just what we do as human beings. You know, I, I, I said earlier this morning, if we were driving down the road and got in a car wreck, well, we would create a whole story of why we wrecked our car. I was distracted by something on the radio or somebody ran the stop sign and hit me. But, or I was thinking about Christmas presents I got to go buy this week. So we create a story of why everything happened in our lives. Whether good or bad things happen to us, we create a story. If I, if I win the lottery, well, there's going to be a story involved that I'm, why I picked those numbers. Or if, you know, I get beat up on the way home. And I get mugged. Well, I'll create a story. Well, it's because of my age or my race. or my... We, we create stories for everything. That's what we do. And these folks at this time were trying to create a story 
of why they were living the way they were in their own, on their own land, as it were, but not in charge of anything, having no power, having no authority. So they're creating a story of why this is, and the story they came up with was somehow we've offended God and we're being judged. That's the, the story they told. And what I love about this being we call God, at least as portrayed in our Bible, is that God invades and interrupts these stories we create to change things. And so in this story, we hear the spirit of the sovereign God is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, how do you proclaim good news to people that are enslaved in their own land? But that's what God said to do. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of our God's favor. So God inspires Isaiah to come and invade and change the story of the people. And several hundred years later, Jesus, Rabbi Jesus of Nazareth, as he began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, went to his own synagogue in Nazareth, and it says he found this text in the scroll and proclaimed it as he began his ministry. This is why I've come. So these are pregnant words of hope, and, the, and they, they give us a glimpse of a God who initiates, a God who begins, who shakes things up. Another portion of this text, the very last couple of verses that Carl read from Isaiah, I love. He says, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign God will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And what that speaks to me this week is I've been running around doing the things I've got. You know, just like, I, did I get everybody a present I'm supposed to get a present for? I don't want to leave anybody out. And we're rushing here and there, and there's more people on the roads and the crowds, and you're trying to avoid all that and get everything done with a good holiday spirit and all that crazy, <laughs> you know. It's just all that crazy. And, and, and I, in my own spiritual practice, I've slowed down. Slowed down. For, and, and, and it talks about, Isaiah talks about how the soil makes the sprout come up. We get, we're in such a hurry, such a fuss about so many things. And it seems that God can just be in the most insignificant things. Like think about a sprout a shoot coming up out of the earth. Somehow a seed planted in dirt gets energy and warmth from a star thousands and thousands of miles away and draws nutrients from dirt and something magically happens that a shoot comes up out of the earth. How does all that happen? Now, I know scientists try and explain it away, but it's crazy. How did all that happen? I remember seeing a comedian one time talking about how we take so much for granted. He was on an airplane going somewhere, and people were complaining that the seats were too crammed together and there wasn't enough leg room, and the person in front of them put their seat back and he didn't have enough space. 
And he wanted to stand up and scream, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're on a chair in the sky. <laughs> how is, how do you take that? You're on a chair in the sky. And not only that, in five hours, we're going to tra traverse what a hundred years ago would have taken six months. And you're going to be there in five hours. So we, we just take so much for granted and we miss it. And I think often God comes in the ordinary and to just stop and, and look at a leaf, look at, a, look at an incense. Look, how did all this happen? What is the greater miracle that I'm alive or that I'm aware that I'm alive? I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. And, and so that speaks to me, that, that God comes in the ordinary. And we keep looking for the spectacular. And I know next Sunday we're going to talk about the star of David or the star that led the wise men. You know, I remember a colleague of mine at the hospice I worked at had a sign she put up every year at her desk. Three wise men, be serious. <laughs> but anyway. So we got the star and we got the... The, the angels in the field with the shepherd. And we, we think of the extraordinary. But the story of the Bible is one in which this being we call God uses the very most ordinary to do the extraordinary. That is one of the great narratives of this whole project of the 66 books that we call the Bible. And and then we get to the second reading, the Song of Mary. And, and Mary speaks to this quite a bit, how God chooses the insignificant and blesses the insignificant. And I, and I know women have been short shrifted in the Bible. And when particularly you look at the law codes in the Bible, women got worked over. It wasn't a good deal for women in the law codes of the Bible. But... This book I've been reading, Jacob Wright, comments how in the story of the Bible, women play a prominent role in the unfolding of God's working through the history of humanity. And when there in the Bible is a named woman, that's a signifier. God's about to do something really, really big. And he, and he goes through this list. You've got Eve very much involved with the birth of a species. Then you have Sarah very much involved with the birth of a nation. And you've got Miriam, the sister of Moses. And the, and the Jewish midwives were very much involved with the beginning of the exodus out of slavery. And then you've got Rahab of Jericho very much involved with the conquest of the promised land. And then you've got Hannah, who was a barren woman, cried out to God to give her a child. God listened to her, gave her a son. She birthed Samuel, the great prophet and kingmaker, because it was through Samuel that the monarchy came. Samuel anointed first Saul and then David to be king of Israel. So the whole monarchy came about through Hannah and her child Samuel. And then you have Mary and how 
a new type of monarchy is about to be birthed through Mary. And, 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 and because I know the history of this stuff, you know, when, when Mary, a young maiden, at the, the turn of the century, in the year zero, living in Nazareth. Nazareth at that time was a little village, maybe 120 folks. And so some unknown maiden has a child in an obscure village in the backwaters of the middle of nowhere Palestine. And today, that maiden, her name is more recognizable than all the kings and monarchs and emperors for thousands of years. Mary, the mother of Jesus, there's more statues and songs and paintings about Mary, the mother of Jesus, than any of those dudes. And so God used an obscure young woman to do an incredible thing. And so I was thinking about this week, how God uses the weak and God does extraordinary things through the insignificant. Yesterday, Mary Martin called me and my dear friend, Jim Martin, is actively dying. He has struggled with memory loss for years and he is now in a bed. He's very comfortable, he's safe, he's warm. He has loved ones around, making sure he's well cared for. Mary has been well supported. And I was sitting there just praying for my friend. And I remembered how in 2008, when I moved here, I was offered the job as chaplain at Ashland Hospital and Hospice. And one of the requirements of my job is I had to become board certified, which is a crazy designation for chaplains that's really hard. And part of board certification means that I would be ordained by a group that the board certifying folks would recognize. Now, I had been ordained by a couple of charismatic fellowships in Pentecost, but that didn't satisfy the board certifiers. They wanted a, like a, a formal denomination to ordain me. So I explored ordination in the United Church of Christ. So I had to go up to Portland and meet with a committee, the Committee on Ministry, and they wanted to uh, examine me to see if I was ordination worthy. And I told them how I was Pentecostal, and that freaked them right out. <laughs> and so they made it really clear in the meeting that they were concerned I'd turn one of their churches Pentecostal, and they couldn't have that. So they weren't too keen on the idea of ordaining me. And my friend Jim Martin went with me on that trip. And Jim was sitting next to me. And because it's the nature of who I am, belligerently I said to this committee, well, I have a job as a chaplain. If that's not good enough for you, if you wouldn't ordain me to be a pastor at one of your churches, then don't bother. I don't need it. Jim, in his great wisdom, put his hands over my mouth, <laughs> told me to shut up, and he told the committee, relax, he's okay, I know him. Jim had been a United Church of Christ minister for well over 30 years on Martha's Vineyard, and he had caveat with this group. And they listened, fortunately, to Jim and not to me, and they decided to ordain me. 
which is why I could stand here today doing this, because of Jim Martin. And I was sitting with Jim yesterday, who's laying comfortably on a bed. He can't talk anymore. And I remembered my friend Jim and all that he did for my life. And in fact, I asked Jim to preach at my ordination, which was here, December 13th, 2009, in this room. And Jim preached. And the text I gave him to preach from was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Where St. Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And the context of that verse is Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God, take this away from me, it hurts. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect or complete in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I've shared with you folks for the last couple of weeks, look, we're not the biggest church on the planet. We don't have the most money. We don't have the most of anything. But that God often uses the insignificant and the obscure to do extraordinary things. And so this project of us coming together to try to be a church and to do good and to follow the way of Jesus, it's through such insignificance that the God we read about has done so many significant things throughout history. And I take great comfort in that on this morning. That as we are weak, the power of God might actually come through us as we give our money to help some Palestinian folks in Bethlehem and Jerusalem, as we raise some money for a Good Samaritan Fund to help folks that come to this building that don't have enough, as we raise money to help buy chocolates from Anya to help people in Ukraine, as we do the things we do, that somehow rippling from this place, the energy of God would come through our weakness and make the world a better place to live in, at least in Ashland, because of what we're trying to do. That's the message I get from these texts. We're always looking for God in the spectacular, when maybe God is hiding in the most mundane and the ordinary and the insignificant right before our faces. This week, may we discover the God that's right in front of us.